Hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we're going to be looking at design considerations when flaring ethylene oxide. Now before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that you can subscribe to The Main Column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button, which is located on the podcast website, or you can speak into your smart device and say, hey Google, Alexa, or Siri, subscribe me to the main column podcast and now design considerations when flaring ethylene oxide so this was featured in the april issue of hydrocarbon processing magazine if you want to read it it is located at www.hydrocarbonprocessing.com the flaring of gases released from normal process vents and safety valve discharges following an overpressure scenario is widely practiced in refineries petrochemical and chemical plants. In past projects, ground flares, elevated flare stacks, or a combination of these two systems have been successfully used for the flaring of pure ethylene oxide or ethylene oxide rich streams. However, the flaring of pure ethylene oxide or ethylene oxide rich streams requires certain additional precautions as well as several stringent design and safety considerations due to it being unstable, toxic, highly reactive, and flammable. In addition, ethylene oxide was often vented off from high point vents directly to the atmosphere in many older plants. Since ethylene oxide is toxic and a known carcinogen, the disposal of large quantities of ethylene oxide or ethylene oxide rich streams from process vents and safety valve discharges by direct venting to the atmosphere has raised environmental concerns in recent years. Ethylene oxide is the simplest cycloether. It is a colorless gas at room temperature with a sweet etheric odor and is prepared by reacting ethylene with air or oxygen over a silver oxide catalyst. Ethylene oxide is a good sterilizing agent and is also used to treat foodstuff. However, ethylene oxide is generally further reacted with other chemicals to produce ethylene oxide derivatives, the most important being ethylene glycol, which is used to manufacture polyester and automotive antifreeze. Ethylene oxide is an important raw material in the manufacture of ethylenamines used in the production of soaps, detergents, and textile chemicals. Ethylanamines, glycol ethers, or solvents and surface coatings, and polyurethanes. The two reactions of ethylene oxide of special note are the following. Number one, decomposition of ethylene oxide. Ethylene oxide vapor or ethylene oxide vapor mixed with air can decompose explosively, generating carbon monoxide and methane. And number two, dispropionation of ethylene oxide dispropionation of ethylene oxide, which consists of a reduction-oxidation reaction, can result in the production of ethylene and carbon dioxide. So let's look at design considerations. Owing to this unstable, toxic, highly reactive and flammable nature, a standalone ethylene oxide flare system, so piping, knockout drum, liquid seal drum, and flare stack, used for the disposal vapors of containing ethylene oxide or ethylene oxide-rich streams, should take into account special design and safety requirements. It must be emphasized that a detailed design and safety review should be performed on the piping and instrumentation diagrams of the ethylene oxide flare system before it is engineered. Furthermore, strict operational and safety considerations need to be enforced during the operation of the system. The following are the main design considerations that should be considered when designing an ethylene oxide flare system. First, Rupture disc upstream of the pressure relief valve. The two most used relief devices in the process industry are rupture disc and pressure relief valves. 
Owing to their non-closing nature, ruptured discs should not be used in ethylene oxide service. When relieving ethylene oxide, a ruptured disc should be installed upstream of the pressure relief valve to prevent the buildup of solids or blockage at the inlet to the pressure relief valve. Solid deposits at the safety valve inlets could form as a result of ethylene oxide polymerization. All pressure relief valves used in ethylene oxide service should conform to the requirements of API 520 and API 521. Furthermore, the pressure relief valve should be derated due to the upstream rupture disc and a capacity correction factor of 0.9 should be used. Next is minimization of the relief device inlet pipe length. The inlet pipe length from the source, in other words, vessel or the column shell, to the relief device should be minimized as pockets of stagnant ethylene oxide vapor and a long inlet line could lead to ethylene oxide polymerization. This can result in a buildup of solids, which, if unchecked, could ultimately lead to a blockage of the line, leading to a hazardous situation in the plant during a major relief scenario. Let's look at purging requirements. As practiced in a typical hydrocarbon flare network, a normal fuel gas or natural gas purge must be provided at all flare header and subheader dead ends to maintain a small positive velocity in the header or subheader. This should be backed up by nitrogen to increase the reliability of the purge. However, in addition to the normal purge, an emergency purge must be provided for the ethylene oxide flare. The main function of the emergency purge is to sufficiently dilute the ethylene oxide rich stream to make it non-explosive. It must be ensured that the emergency purge is always available. The availability of the normal and emergency ethylene oxide flare purges is one of the most critical considerations for an ethylene oxide flare and must be closely monitored. These purges are essential for the uninterrupted operation of the connected plant. It is highly risky to operate the plant if there is a failure of either one of these purges and strict operational procedures should be enforced to monitor the normal and emergency purges on a routine basis. The concentration of ethylene oxide diluents is a function of the pressure and temperature of the system. In the absence of air within the system, the concentration of diluents required to keep the system non-explosive must be more than 15% methane, considering a binary mixture of ethylene oxide and methane, or 40% nitrogen, considering a binary mixture of ethylene oxide and nitrogen. However, it is recommended that an appropriate factor of safety, around two or three, should be imposed on these limits, owing to the limited availability of data at higher temperatures. To improve the reliability of the ethylene oxide flare system, the emergency natural gas purge should be automatically backed up by nitrogen using an SIL rated interlock. A pressure sensing system consisting of two or more pressure transmitters placed between the rupture disc and the pressure relief valve inlet should be used for all pressure relief valves, which could potentially re release pure ethylene oxide or ethylene oxide rich streams to the ethylene oxide flare. During an overpressure scenario, the rupture disc would rupture and the high pressure at the pressure relief valve inlet would be used to trigger the emergency purge. One or more additional pressure transmitters can be located at each pressure relief valve discharge to further increase the reliability of the system. Flare gas analyzer. Well, flare gas analyzer, in other words, a gas chromatograph based analyzer that is sensitive to one parts per million of ethylene oxide located at the main flare header can be programmed to trigger the emergency flare purge in case the concentration of ethylene oxide or oxygen exceeds a certain fixed value. So let's look at materials of construction. 
any piping and or equipment that comes into contact with the ethylene oxide rich stream must be made of stainless steel. The use of stainless steel minimizes the potential for rust formation. The 300 series austenic stainless steel has been widely used in ethylene oxide service. Type 304L has been successfully used for the ethylene oxide flare headers and subheaders, while Type 304 and Type 316 stainless steel have been used for small tubing, which cannot be cleaned of rust. Austenic stainless steel can be used in those areas where ethylene oxide liquid is likely to remain for long periods of time. Suction and discharge piping, a flare knockout drum pumps, low point drains, etc. Traces of rust on the intervals of carbon steel piping or equipment would catalyze the disproportion of ethylene oxide, which would further raise the local temperatures above the ethylene oxide decomposition temperature, leading to a hazardous situation. Furthermore, even clean carbon steel could catalyze in polymerization of ethylene oxide, but at lesser rates than rusted carbon steel. Therefore, the use of carbon steel piping and equipment in an ethylene oxide flare network should be prohibited. Since ethylene oxide attacks several non-metallic materials, including several types of polymers and elastomers, proper care should be taken to select a proper material of construction for gaskets, O-rings, packing, etc. This would include rigorous monitoring and inspection programs before a material is deemed fit for use in ethylene oxide service. Polytetrafluoroethane is resistant to ethylene oxide even up to 260 degrees Celsius and has been used successfully in such applications. Next is grounding requirements. Ethylene oxide liquid is conductive. If ethylene oxide is stored in a metallic container that is grounded, the static charge cannot accumulate. However, if the system is not properly grounded, a static charge can be generated and lead to ignition owing to the low value of the minimum ignition energy of ethylene oxide, which is even lower than gasoline vapor. Therefore, all ethylene oxide flare system components, which includes piping and equipment, must be properly grounded to prevent the buildup of static electricity, which could ignite ethylene oxide and start a fire or explosion. Prevention of flashback. A flare system is usually equipped with a liquid seal drum to prevent flashback. However, this method suffers from some drawbacks due to the possibility of losing the liquid seal. Uh, for example, if the seal gets blown out following a peak release or if there are issues in establishing and maintaining the required liquid level. The use of two liquid seal drums in a series, one located at the base of the flare stack and another located between the outside battery limits flare knockout drum and the stack, can further enhance the reliability of the ethylene oxide flare liquid seal system. In the case of ethylene oxide flares, the flare tip contains an anti-flashback device, which must be designed to minimize possible flame flashback initiated at the flare tip by ensuring that the forward velocity of the flared gases exceeds the flashback velocity. Furthermore, an appropriate velocity seal would need to be provided to prevent air ingress and conserve purge gas. Close follow-up with the flare vendor is recommended at every stage during the design of an ethylene oxide flare system to increase the reliability of the system in view of the hazards associated with ethylene oxide. Per flare design regulations followed in some countries, the possibility of including a spare flare stack, liquid seal drum system, and knockout drum may also be considered to further increase the availability of the flare system, thus ensuring uninterrupted operation of the connected units. The sampling of flare condensate. Flare condensate collected in the flare knockout drum must be periodically sampled. 
any ethylene oxide containing flare condensate is required to be routed to the reabsorber column or elsewhere inside the ethylene oxide unit for further recovery of ethylene oxide. However, if the flare condensate does not contain ethylene oxide, it may be routed to the wastewater treatment plant. This can be accomplished through an interlock based on the ethylene oxide concentration as measured by an online analyzer. We want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.